0: big thank you to Rebecca and Stephen for leading us this morning so beautifully in worship. Um, In a moment, we're going to take bread and wine together. We're going to take communion together, but I wanted to speak this first this morning. I want to speak this from a passage in Luke chapter 10. There's much that has been said about church in these days during COVID. Uh, What is church? What the nature of church is? And As we um, enter into a new season of church life in in the autumn, I've been thinking about that question and um, what should our focus be as a church and something that I maybe can share this morning that would help us begin to distill the kind of posture that we might have as a people um, coming into this new season of church life and what really is our priority, what is of utmost importance to us. So I want to speak to that this morning. I want to speak from Luke chapter 10. I'm reading in the message version. I'm just going to read it now, and then I'm going to share on it. Um, It speaks of uh, two people, Mary and Martha. You'll know this story, hopefully, um, and you've heard it before, but there's some fresh language here in this version in the message translation. So let let me just read from Luke chapter 10. Verse 38 to 42. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all that she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, Don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up about nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. So this is the story of two sisters Mary and Martha, and it's a tough one to deal with in, in some ways. It's, it's nearly impossible to work up uh, enough enthusiasm for, for Mary in this story, um, certainly in the way that she's presented in this story, in the way that Luke tells us, but I'm going to try. Um, there's nothing more irritating um, than having a lot of work dumped on you, work that you can't put off, work that others are depending on you to do right now, And then to have someone who knows you and knows what you're up against and is perfectly capable of helping, instead sit around and do nothing. And if that person is your sister or your brother or your friend or your neighbor, that irritation quickly escalates into exasperation. And it sure looks like this is what is happening in the Mary and Martha story. Jesus was traveling through a certain region and he entered a village and a woman named Martha received him into her house. It says in Luke 38, or Luke 10, verse 38. We assume from other mentions of her in the gospel accounts that they were long term friends and that Martha's home was one in which Jesus felt at home. Martha was a, a generous person, she was hospitable, and her, her house had open doors. But Jesus passing through the village was also unscheduled. So she had no idea that he was showing up um, just then. Martha loved Jesus, but he also had that annoying habit of showing up unannounced and always at mealtimes. Why couldn't he send a message? What are angels for anyway? She uh, was caught unprepared. And not for the first time, she went to work in a frenzy. There was a bed to make up and meals to plan. She had just finished washing the bedsheets from the guests who had left yesterday, and they were drying out on the clothesline in the courtyard. She was out of olive oil and cucumbers and had to run to the market to get the makings for a salad. Meanwhile, some of the neighbors had heard that Jesus had arrived unexpectedly, and several of them came over to greet him and listen to him talk. Everyone always loved listening to Jesus tell stories and talk about the kingdom. His speech was so colourful, and he was so wise. You could ask him anything, and when he started talking, it wasn't like anything you'd ever heard. Every sentence was so fresh and sharply phrased. So it wasn't surprising that the neighbors were there, sitting around on the floor, listening to Jesus. And Martha loved to have it so. She loved having people in her home and loved having Jesus there as her guest. Yes, there was a lot to do, but Martha really didn't mind. But that day, she was a bit overwhelmed. Just then she came running in from the market with a bag of grapes in one hand and a cup of flour that she had borrowed from a neighbor in the other. She was going to make some pita bread to go with the salad. And there right before her was her sister Mary sitting on the floor with the neighbors listening to Jesus teach. That was the last straw. What's with Mary anyway? Martha was understandably upset. and She snapped at Jesus Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And what do you know? Jesus wouldn't do it. Not only did he refuse to get Martha some help, but he turned on her, criticized her of all things. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. We don't have Martha's response, but any one of us could supply it. You bet I'm anxious and troubled about many things. What do you expect? Here you drop in on us without any warning and right at a mealtime. The house is a mess. There's no food on hand. Do you have any idea of all the stuff I have to do? and my sister, my precious little sister, the spiritual one, leaves it all to me and you don't even care. But Jesus hadn't finished. While while Martha was still fuming, muttering under her breath and stomping off into the kitchen, she heard Jesus not only refusing to rebuke Mary's irresponsible spirituality but commending Mary as if she were doing something wonderful. He said, Quote, Mary has chosen the good portion which shall not be taking, taken away from her. Well, there you have it. I have just imagined the circumstances of this story of Martha, Mary, and Jesus. The way that I most often have heard it referred to, Jesus is great at the business of salvation, but he doesn't quite get it when it comes to running a household or a business. And it's wonderful that some people get to sit around and listen to Jesus teach. But those same people would go hungry much of the time if it wasn't for the rest of us who know how to pitch in and get things done. But let's keep following the story. I've reconstructed the story in terms uh, that most of us commonly hear it, but I've left out some details that change things considerably and a closer look will convince you. I think that Luke didn't include this story to engage our sympathies with Martha and our impatience with Mary and Jesus. The first detail is this, there is nothing Jesus was more insistent upon than that we, his followers, serve one another. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the son of man also came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's from Mark 10, verse 43 to 45. And also we have this one, which is the greater one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who sits at the table, but I am among you as one who serves? From Luke 22, verse 27. The servant life is the Christian life and servants, uh, and servant living involves a lot of behind the scenes drudge work with unexpected assignments. No, whatever Martha was being reprimanded for, it was not her hospitality or her servant life in that household. But pay attention to the first sentence in the passage. As they went on their way Jesus entered a village. We just happen to know where Jesus was going when he stopped in this village. He was going to Jerusalem. A couple of pages earlier, we were told, when the days draw near for him to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's a signal to us that we are getting close to the conclusion of this story. There are no more digressions, no more asides, for we're headed for the end, the end of Jesus' life. The end of Jesus' ministry is coming to a conclusion. And for the next 10 chapters, Luke told us what happened on this final trip to Jerusalem. Basically, Jesus was conducting a traveling seminar on how to live the Christian life after he leaves. He was going to die in Jerusalem. After his resurrection and his ascension, these followers were going to continue his kingdom work. He was training them to continue In other words, Jesus was carefully and in detail preparing people like us for the kind of speaking and acting that are appropriate for our daily lives when He'll be with us through the Holy Spirit but no longer physically present. We know that the training seminar was coming to a conclusion when Luke says in chapter 19 that Jesus was near to Jerusalem and then that he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. The next event is the Palm Sunday entrance, which sets off the events of Holy Week, the Passion, the Crucifixion, and the Resurrection. And when we read a paragraph in the Gospel, we can't understand it uh, if we remove it from the whole story as a whole. And the story as a whole is absolutely critical here when we recognize this context, this intense teaching and training period just before the Jerusalem climax, we will look at the story a little differently and notice a word that I passed over earlier. The word is distracted. Luke tells us Martha was distracted with much serving and Jesus addressed Martha saying, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Distracted is not quite the same as being practical, working hard or taking the tasks of hospitality seriously. Distracted means not paying attention. It means not having a center or an anchor. It means being pulled this way and that way by whoever and whatever. Luke set Jesus' presence in the home of Martha and Mary that day at a time when Jesus was pulling everything together and gathering everyone who was willing into the holy community that would continue to give witness and live in obedience to him. Jesus was at the center. As the days were drawing to a conclusion, every word was important. There was going to be a lot to do, healing and teaching preaching and hospitality, suffering and helping, and they needed to learn to do it the Jesus way. They had just been told that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If they didn't speak, if they didn't learn to speak Jesus' words and to do his work in this way, they would either burn out quickly or just end up using his reputation as a front for their own selfish ambition. And when we look at it this way, it turns out that Mary was the practical one, and Martha was the impractical one. Mary was listening to Jesus. She was listening so she would know what to do and how to do it. By listening, her imagination was being shaped in how to recognize the needs of her neighbor, She was learning how to discern between showy religion and down-to-earth love. She was realizing how prayer is personal and immediate and how it is different from manipulation and magic. She was realizing how destructive it is to treat people as objects and functions and how freeing it is to receive everything and everyone as a gift and much, much more. And Martha was not listening, not listening to Jesus, who was there to train and prepare her to live for the glory of God in the days ahead when he would no longer be dropping in for a bed or a meal. Men and women who don't listen usually do too much and do much of it the wrong way. I'm rem- reminded about Roger Bannister, the man who ran the four-minute mile for the first time and he described his adventure uh, or his venture into ke- to, to, to carpentry. And he said he made up for his lack of skill by simply using a lot of nails, by doing too much. There is nothing we need more teaching and training in, especially in these days as a church as individuals, there's nothing we need more teaching and training in than simply living. Living to the glory of God, living for Jesus, living in love and faith and hope, living in patience and gentleness, living sacrificially and hospitably, living with our children and our parents, living with dignity and in joy. And there is no one more accessible or present or skilled at teaching us than Jesus. That's why we keep coming back to gather Sunday after Sunday to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his word. We're learning how to live all the details of our lives in the company of Jesus. I started the talk this morning just asking that question, I guess, reflecting on the fact that there's been much talk about what church looks like in these days during COVID. And as we can contemplate entering into the autumn season of church life as a community, as we uh, attempt to be begin regathering in person again, as we think about planning over the next uh, number of months and even the next year, I think this word uh, and this story from Mary and from Martha um, really speaks to us and reminds us of the priority we have to listen to Jesus, uh, especially in these days of COVID, especially in these days of, of a pandemic, especially in these days when church has been so scattered. We do need to regroup as a community and we need to regroup in order to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from Jesus the way of living and the way of living as community, the way of living in a way that will bless the world around us. We need to be responsive in these days to the opportunities that will come our way. To be the hands and feet of Jesus, there's going to be much need to serve uh, and to bless our city. Um, But I'm just reminded about these words and this story and how it just centers us on our priority. That's our priority being like that of Mary's, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn and to listen um, so that we know indeed how to be um, the people of God and the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Let me just read that last passage again. Um, It just says this, that there is nothing we need more teaching and training in than simply living Uh, living to the glory of God, living for Jesus, living in love and faith and hope, living in patience and gentleness, living sacrificially and hospitably, living with our children and our parents, living with dignity and in joy. And there is no one more accessible and present and skilled at teaching us than Jesus. So that's why we keep coming back to sit at his feet. That's why we That's why we gather as a community to sit at the feet of Jesus, to to worship him, to listen to him, to listen to his word so that we can learn how to live out all the details of our lives, both individually and collectively, in the company of Jesus and in the way of Jesus. Amen.